attention parents, what you're about to see is not suitable for kids. Shoot, it's not even suitable for some grown-ups. You might want to walk away now if you ain't into these type of things. I'm going to give the people what they want. Sensation, horror, shock. I'm going to deliver the goods because I'm alive and I'm not backing down. Cuckoo, cuckoo. Showtime. Woo. You're from upstate New York. Let's pipe down a little bit. <laughs> Disgusting, vomit-inducing thing. Hola, creepos! Welcome to another edition of your favorite true crime podcast, the show about creeps by creeps for creeps. I am your host. From the Tower of Power, too sweet to be sour, I'm funky like a monkey, sky's the limit and space is the place. That's me, Vinny Paulino, and as always, it's hot c c c carla What is happening, Vinny? Always oh, so smooth with those intros. It surprises you every time you have to play drops right before you announce your name. How does that happen every single week that you forget that? Also joining us today to celebrate, because it is Jocktober. Jocktober! To celebrate radio and radio personalities, Eric Zane from the Eric Zane Show. What's happening, my buddy? I am ready to go, gentlemen. Thank you for having me. I'm very, very lucky. Was that moonshine you just poured into that glass? What was that? <laughs> it's water, Vinnie Paulina, which you should drink more of because I know you're uh, turning the corner and uh, getting more health conscious, right? <laughs> he is? It's not the video I know. What, what is this, like an uh, intervention? Is this an ambush? Yes. Is this what, the, is no. this, is what this is, Carl? Put the pizza down, Vinny. We I'm not to doing to this again. <laughs> Your eating has affected me in the number of ways that I'll be reading about starting now. Uh, I don't want to do that. Eric Zane, thanks so much for joining us on the show today. Before we get into our creeps, though, we have to talk about what happened last week. Now, Carl... You got your clock cleaned, buddy. Oh, did I? I, I honestly have not looked at the website. So I'm going to pull it up right now. This week. I'm going to show it to you right okay, now. It's yeah, coming yeah. to your Let's screen. Let's see what happened. Last week we did what? Creepiest teacher? Yeah. Elementary school teacher. Yes. And my creep's name was Audra Mabel, and the FBI got a hold of her. And I won with 76%, 77 of, the vote last week. percent of the vote. 77% of the vote. Brutal. I'd like to thank all of my creepomaniacs, all of my true believers, and just say. You folks did good by me this week, and I'm going to do good by you this week. The so. Cousaroos took a week off. That's true fine. believers. The Cousaroos deserved a week off. That's fine. We'll, yeah. we'll come back. We'll, we'll come back from that. Let's talk about the current score. I now have three. Carl has two. And our guest category has four. Oh, boy. Which means that they are on game point. No pressure, Eric Zane. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You can, you can win it for the guests. So listen. Okay. I'm really going to need you to fuck this up. Yeah, Eric, if you could drop the ball today, that'd be great. Um, I might. I, uh, <laughs> I, I do that from time to time. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to How about that for taking that? the pressure off? We're like, we hope you suck today. Hey, we Eric, both okay. really you're going to blow it. <laughs> Eric's <laughs> going to blow it. Before we get started, let's tell everybody what our category is. We said because it is the start of Jocktober, we are going to discover the creepiest radio personality. And uh, Eric, you used to work in that world, so I'm sure you might have a little more knowledge than... Uh, yeah. Unfair advantage. Yeah. He's worked with them yeah. all. I've been I banned mean, from radio stations. 
Well, that's good, but I don't think you did it because you're a creep, right? I mean, I'm, I'm giving you benefit of the doubt. I may have bullied an overweight woman. <laughs> wow. I do that oh. on a weekly basis. It's fine. Um, no, I mean, uh, when you guys said creepiest radio personality, first I went to a guy who you've featured in the past on the show named John Balio, who it just happens to be that he's from the community that I live in. And then I, How's I, he I doing? Was in- do you keep up? Uh, he actually, uh, yeah, I did when, it, when I was I was starting to think that I was going to be talking about it, but I'm not because you guys had addressed it once before. But he actually is uh, cooperated with. Uh, he's turned into kind of like one of those uh, uh, a rat who's kind of like been uh, providing insight. It isn't going to affect his sentence, but uh, I guess that's what he's doing now, trying to uh, right. turn his life around. He was the Christian radio kitty diddler. Correct, and it was uh, it was an ugly scene. So I thought that I could talk about that. But you, since you guys have done that, I said, okay, but no problem. I have stories that are also horrible that I am involved. I nice. am involved in two stories. I mean, I honestly don't feel like I have a chance to win because you guys are experts at this, but Wait, I do have two Yeah, that's right. You have stories. no chance to win. Wait a second. You didn't bring Eric Zane, did you? Because that's the person I picked for this week. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me, and you'd be justified in doing that, <laughs> Carl. But uh, no. Okay. I do have two stories. Well, I so. guess Vinny has to get started since he Well, no, won. we give it to the guest. The guest has the privilege of getting to be the first batter up. Why do you say that? <laughs> I feel like that's kind of rude to do to a guest. We should, you know, get things started. All right. Are you trying to put me on the spot? Yes. You have to go first. You won. That's how we always do it. All right. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start the creep off. I would like to introduce my creep today. He comes from a little place called England. And this is the theme to his fantastic radio show. The great Jimmy Savile is my creep. Doesn't sound British. Did that sound like a British person singing? That was the opening to his show, which uh, started on radio, ended up on television. Now, he started off as a DJ. He was born in 1926 and he died in 2011. He was an English media personality. He was a radio host. He also hosted television. His biggest claim to fame was he was the first host of the BBC's Top of the Pops. All right. Which was a a show that you had to have heard of, Carl. Of course, yeah. In fact, Carl, I'm going to show you a picture of him just to show you how famous Jimmy Savile was in the 60s. Here's a picture of him and a couple of his pals. Oh, I know those guys. Yeah, those lovable scamps. Those guys wrote a couple good songs. Yeah, those guys are well known. The Beatles, I believe. That was your pals, the Beatles, your favorite band of all time. Them and Ween, yeah. Yeah. So after he died, reports started surfacing that he had sexually abused hundreds of individuals. See, this is the problem with this happened to Norm MacDonald, too. The guy dies, and also it's like, oh, he fondled me. Oh, I got diddled. Like, listen, you had your chance. You got to talk about that when the guy can defend himself. Otherwise, I don't want to hear about it. Okay, well, the police. Did a little bit of investigating, and we're going to talk about his career. Why? What are, what are they going to do? Like, that's such a waste of their time. The guy's dead. You're only saying that because you're scared I'm going to beat you. Of course that's why I'm saying that, but <laughs> yeah. I'm also right. Now, <laughs> the victims in this were male and female, ranging from prepubescent to adult. Okay. So he ran the gamut, our pal Jimmy Savile. And I'm going to show you a picture of him. I'd like you to... Just get an idea of what this motherfucker looked like. Okay, so... that He creep. is a ghoul. <laughs> creep is a word I might use for that. Yeah, that is like the fucking... Uh, <laughs> that's the Crypt Keeper the crypt right keeper. there. Yeah. yeah. Kind of that with the uh, Playboy guy combined. A little Hugh Hefner. And little you know Hugh what? Hefner. 
in a lot of ways, he kind of reminds me of like a British Howard Stern. Okay. He's like kind of has the same glasses, but just blonde hair. Okay. He's just an ugly man who works at radio. Is he also, is he also boring and shitty? <laughs> yeah, actually, very much so. Oh, so. It's just like Howard Stern. Okay. Very much so. 1955, the earliest incident of abuse recorded by the police, it took place in Manchester, where at the time he managed a dance hall. It was very similar to a lot of uh, complaints that would happen. Over the next few years. This guy but sounds like Dick Clark. Is he the British Dick Clark? Yes. He managed a dance hall. This is like Ryan Seacrest. This is Dick Clark. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But he looks like a blonde Howard Stern. Did Dick Clark diddle kids? Should I put that I out there so. right now? I, I, I don't think you should. <laughs> well, I mean, the cops aren't going to investigate him now. He's dead, Carl. Exactly. Oh. It's over. It's over, Johnny. <laughs> so uh, he was accused uh, when a 10-year-old boy asked him for an autograph outside a hotel. He took the boy inside and, uh, quote, seriously sexually assaulted him. Jesus. Yeah, a 10-year-old boy. Autographs are expensive these days, but back then, people were, you know, it was a little cheaper than that. You know, you know how much I had to pay to meet <laughs> FTR at <laughs> AEW FanFest? <laughs> so, Two reach-arounds? On January 1964th, he presented the first ever Top of the Pops. He had been working in radio at the time. He was a very, very famous man. He came up with a spinoff show that made him uber-famous. And it also allowed him to spend a lot of time hanging out with kids, man. He started a show called Jim Will Fix It. Basically what that was, let me give you a good example. Kids would write in and they would say, hey, Jim, this is what I've always wanted to do. And then Jimmy would help them live their dreams. Jim will fix it. Here's a great example of the kind of great advice and the way he would help mentor kids. Dear Jim, ever since I can remember, I've always wanted to be a singer, but shyness has always got in the way. Please, could you fix it for me to sing? Yours sincerely, Debbie Coleman. Here's somebody to help her who also has a problem with being shy. Gary Glitter. <laughs> Some choice audio. Yeah, he's just... Here, let me help you learn to sing. Here's Gary Glitter. Here's an 11-year-old girl, Gary. Have fun. Oh, boy. Now, you want to be even more creeped out? Here's some footage from the set of a show he did in 1973 with Gary Glitter. The show was called Clunk Click. Just watch the video here, Carl, if you would like to do the play-by-play. -play. Sure. I always enjoy it when you do. Okay. Gary Glitter is now a convicted child sex offender, but so, he denies these new <laughs> There they are on the set, and there's a, set, there's a lot of children. Studio, children on the set. Of the young watching. guests came from the secure They're walking towards the children. Yep, and, he, and uh, Jimmy's telling them to move over. Okay, he's making some room. You get two, you get two. All right, so he's sitting in between them. I should be giving girls away. And Gary Glitter is between two teenage girls, and he puts his arms around him and brings them in close. He looks very happy, too. Yeah, all smiles. And then Jimmy sits down with a couple more girls and just finds a more girls. Even special access to many institutions. He's got a cigar. Very classy, this man. No. When you hang out with young prepubescent girls, you just want to have a cigar. He just walked up, and Gary Glitter looked at him and goes, I get two of them? Yeah. And his response was, yeah, you get two. Right, Look so at we, me, give it away, girls. So he's friends with Gary Glitter. You win. All right? Is that what you want to hear? <laughs> My question is, you, you think about the parents back then, guys. Is there anyone in that community that has any fucking discretion and can't see? I mean, I know they don't know that these guys are rapists yet, but still, you get one fucking look at them. You're like, ah, maybe you shouldn't go to the show. Yeah, I know. I, I'm looking at those people. I'm like, they started the show for uh, nefarious reasons. Well, Very creepy. Very there very are creepy. accusations that came out that a lot of things were happening with children on the sets of his shows. Yeah. Yeah. Like smiles and candy. Yeah. Fun. 
Well, stinky fingers. Oh, okay. Actually, another example is in 1972. He's recorded as groping by the police as groping a 12 year old boy and his two female friends who were attending a recording of Top of the Pops. At some point in the decade, a female victim is believed to have told the Metropolitan Police she was assaulted in Seville's car in the parking lot at the BBC. The police file could not be located, and the investigating officer is now dead. Records show abuse not only started at the BBC, but at a Leeds General Infirmary, where Seville was a long-term volunteer porter, and at Stoke Manville Hospital, where he volunteered and raised over 40 million pounds for the hospital. Okay. So he was known as a philanthropist. People yeah. loved him for doing all the work that people he did are complicated, Vinny. Yeah. It's not yeah, all that's... good or all bad. <laughs> well, let's talk about his uh Working with the hospitals, shall yeah, we? Yeah, let's talk about how he was a great guy and gave back to the community. I like that. Yeah, let's, yeah, yeah. Let's do Jimmy Savile, a covert predatory pedophile, not just inside the BBC, but the NHS. National Health System. Chiefly at Stoke Mandeville in Buckinghamshire, where he was allowed unrestricted access for decades as the hospital's high-profile fundraiser. We now. cannot have the punters kipping on the floor, so we need a few quid for beds and such like. He generated more than a few quid, enough to build a new spinal unit, which he got his royal friends to open. Princess but all along, Diana Savile and was abusing Charles. the system and some of the patients, staff, visitors, and volunteers within it. That's him cutting the, the authorities did nothing. Did you hear that list of the people that he was accused of assaulted? Yeah. Victims, nurses, staff, volunteers, and visitors. Is there anyone else in a goddamn <laughs> hospital? <laughs> yeah, you got them all. I mean, he's everyone. This guy, and for decades, they're like, well, he's our fucking meal ticket. He's raising all the money for everything. Have at it, Jimmy. This is before and Pokemon. He needed something to collect. Let me tell you what this fucking ghoul was doing. Oh, Listen right. to this. This is a list of just some of the offenses. An 18-year-old says Savile climbed through a window to molest her as she recovered from a skin graft. He sexually abused another woman in a wheelchair and inappropriately touched an eight-year-old boy under his bedsheets. Tickle, uh. tickle. He also was Why accused... Is he climbing through windows? That seems, <laughs> he probably has a key. Yeah, just use the door. <laughs> they built him his own apartment at the hospital. Right. Where he was just living, and he would get people to come. He raped some woman who was a musician there. Okay. Now, here's the numbers uh, from the end of his stay with the hospital after all is said and done after his death, and they did the investigation. The sexual abuse ranged from inappropriate touching to rape. Savile was an opportunistic predator who could also on occasions show a high degree of premeditation when planning attacks on his victims. In all, 63 people connected to Stoke Mandeville Hospital were abused by Savile. 63 people. Yeah, but some of them just wanted attention after the fact. Because especially when they have that range of like I full can't on, believe you just said full that. on knife point rape. And then other people just got fondled, their ball got touched or something like that. It's like once too much of a rage. One trans woman accused him of uh fingering her. Okay. Will you want to explain how that works to me? Well, I mean they made the hole. But they did make the well, hole. And then he wait stuck his fingers in it. That's post making the hole. Okay. Wait a minute. Time out. What do you mean? Can't you stick a finger? Everybody's got an asshole. Can you do that? Yeah, Thank you, Eric. Thank you, Eric. Carl, Carl's like, wait, how? <laughs> well, I don't go around figuring out a trans women. I apologize. Uh, I need a diagram. I need someone to put together a <laughs> tutorial video for me. Uh, so this guy is a real creep. Um now, he kind of fell out of 
the limelight because obviously he was like a 60s, 70s character. Now we're getting up to the 80s and the 90s. Mm-hmm. So he was just hanging out at this fucking hospital, fucking diddling people okay. for a really long time. And he was also accused of doing the same thing as he volunteered at a school for girls. Okay. And uh, he denied ever being at the school for girls. What age of these girls in the school? Uh, high school, junior okay. high, yeah. young girls. So he's hanging out there. He liked the boys. He liked the girls. He liked the grown women. He apparently liked the trans people. Like I said, Jim will fix them all. If your butthole yeah. is tight, Jimmy will loosen it for you. Yeah. He'll fix it. Yeah. There's one thing. He cannot be accused of uh, being discriminatory. I yeah. mean, uh, he, uh, he's got it all covered. He does. And I give him a lot of credit for that. Now, <laughs> in 2006... He becomes, they do the final episode of Top of the Pops, and they pull him out of the fucking thing, and they have him come out, and, hey, look, Jimmy Savile's back to host the last episode. And then that's when all the allegations started coming out, was in 2006, before he died. Now, they started putting out news articles linking him to the children's home that we just talked about with the girls. He denies it having anything to do with it, says he's never been there, and then there's pictures of him surrounded by children in front of the place. All right, but there's a statute of limitations on these things, Vinny. People's <laughs> memories get foggy. So I don't the, remember everything that happened to me in college. I'm not going to go around telling stories now. The police opened an investigation, and because exactly the reason you said, what proof do they have right. it was so long ago? It's it's he said, all of them said. It's one so, of those cases. So this guy, so this motherfucker uh, starts suing all the newspapers who are reporting it. Okay. Okay? Which is the thing that happens. But he did have one guy get close to him. Uh, did he get named- the uh, great Michael Popak? To represent him? He said, yeah, he did. He did. He said, Michael Polpock has the tape. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Sue everyone. So he's suing everybody. uh, And then he does an interview with a guy named Louis Thoreau. And this is the only time. This is video. And the audio was altered just a little bit because I found this on YouTube. And the the video of this is not really available. I'm going to show you the video and the audio so you know I'm not just making it up. This is him just riding. the fact that you have to say that we might think you're making this up makes me think that you're making this up. All right. Go ahead. Proceed. But no, I don't give you I'm no rope. Plant that. I give you no plant rope. that seed for everyone, but he's making this up. Okay. No rope to hang me, motherfucker. Here's the video of Louis Thoreau in the back of a van with Jimmy Savile discussing the allegations against him. We were nearing the end of our time together, and as we headed back to Leeds, it was clear that Jimmy was pleased about the press coverage of his broken ankle. But it struck me that his relationship with the press hasn't always been a happy one. So why do you say in interviews that you hate children when I've seen you with kids and um, you clearly enjoy their company and you have a good rapport with them? Right. Obviously, I don't hate them. Yeah. So why would you say that then? Because we live in a very funny world. Yeah, we do. And it's easy for me as a single man to say, I don't like children. Because that puts a lot of salacious tabloid people off the hunt. Are you basically saying that so tabloids don't, you know, pursue this whole... uh, is he, isn't he a pedophile yes. line, basically? Yes, yes. All right. How do they know whether I am or not? How does anybody know whether I am? Nobody knows whether I am or not. I know I'm not. So I can tell you from experience that the easy way of doing it, when they say, oh, yeah, all them children, Jim will fix it. They say, yeah, I hate them. Yeah. That's to me, right. that sounds more sort of suspicious. Right. Than <laughs> it, seems, it seems so impossible. That's, that's my policy. That's the way it goes. Really? That's what I do. And it's worked a dream. Has it worked? A dream. 
that that was his response. Oh, oh, oh. Well, you know, I'm kind of, I think I'm becoming Team Jimmy on this one. Mm. Uh, you know, all he's all he's doing, uh, or all, all people have said is kind of what we talked about. It's all he said, she said. You got video of him with Gary Glitter, but outside of that, I mean, he fucking said he hates kids. Yeah. So I don't know. by association is what we're talking about with uh, Vinny's <laughs> argument here. Huh. He obviously hates kids. Huh. Well, in 2013, after he dies, Scotland Yard uh, came out after doing a very thorough investigation and labeled him a prolific predatory sex offender. And at that time, the investigation revealed 214 criminal offenses that he could have been prosecuted for had he not died. How convenient across it comes twenty-eight out after police forces yeah. himself between 1955 and 2009. Giving victims, 73% of the victims were children. 73% were kids. And the abuse happened at the BBC, inside of hospitals, hotels, wherever this fucking super rich fucking famous guy went. If Dick Clark was doing this, we wouldn't have known about it until now. Listen. In America. I we wouldn't have known about it. I, I want to just defend this guy for a second. Oh, because Jesus I heard, I heard He's climbing through windows to listen, molest bird victims. I, what are you doing? I heard the great <laughs> governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo, explain this. That he's very touchy-feely. It's part of his culture. And he doesn't mean any harm that by it. That is one big pile of shit. If a finger slips into a new hole that's just been created for someone after a sex change operation, that kind of thing happens when you're just a loving person. Well, the BBC tried to cover all this up, and they got caught red-handed, by the way. Oh, okay. When he died, Carl, be fucking loved. He was laid in state, Carl. Yeah, he's a celebrity. Here's a picture. We worship celebrities. Of his golden coffin. And in that little tray between those two books, you can't see it from that angle, is the last cigar he smoked. And then and then a bunch of people who are jealous that people love him have to go out and make up things about him touching them and climbing through windows yeah. in order to besperch his good name. Pictures or it didn't happen. All I know is yes. that a lot of loudmouth asshole kids. <laughs> yep. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's probably a Facebook group is probably what all this is. The oh, B- I want to be part of that group. The BBC had investigated him, and there was a reason why they didn't have him around for a very, very long time. Because some of these things happened on BBC premises, the investigation that was done by news people inside of the BBC was shut down by the company, said don't do anything about it. I don't know if you know much about British TV, but there's another channel called ITV, which is like the big rival to BBC. They were like, oh, fuck this. We got all the dirt on them. And they aired a no-holds-barred documentary about him. Okay. That also helped open up the floodgates. They hired private investigators who went out and got all this information. Then the cops went in and followed it all back up, and they're like, well, I'll be damned. He was fucking diddling kids. What a great it sounded like you almost said, uh, it sounded like you almost said flood dick there for a second. <laughs> Caught it. Why don't, you, why don't you mind your business? Why don't you mind your business? So, yeah, that's my creep this week. All right. And I'm just going to go ahead. Mind everybody. He's also responsible for this shitty song. You can't spell Savile without vile. Oh, wow. By the way, I just want to go on record. I'm sorry, say, Carl. What'd you say? Vote that for guy. Vinny. I want to go on record and say that that song is pretty catchy. And I, I dig it. Oh, it's going in the pre-song playlist. Okay, it's, good. <laughs> it's going in. All right. Well, uh, great presentation there, Vinny, as always. You do I... such a... 
magical job with the way you tell stories. I love it if a bus hit you today. I want everyone to now wake up, and we're going to do another one. Uh, I'll, I'll let our guest decide who goes next. Uh-oh. Oh, uh, Carl, oh. go ahead. All right. I will go next then. Creepiest radio personality. I chose someone who asks people. Are you a boner guy? I knew and, it. And says things <laughs> like. And then let the boners begin. Oh, yeah. Jimmy Savile said that too. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't pick Opie. Of course, there was a man who worked for the Howard Stern show for 15 years. Who had a speech impediment. That's right. I chose speech impediment, man. No. Uh, my creep is a, a guy who worked out in New Orleans as a uh, sportscaster named Vince Marinello. Hello again, everybody. I'm Vince Marinello, and welcome to Six Sports Extra. Here's a guy that had lived a charmed life. He was the guy that was able to go into places and everybody wanted to shake his hand. He fed off of the public recognizing him and knowing who he was. He had a personality as big as the city and an ego, too, because he liked to tell everybody he was Vince Marinello. Yeah, I, you know, I think Eric Zane might know about this, too. These radio guys love being the celebrity around town. Can I imagine what this guy looked like? Well, he looked like a normal guy. Okay, I was just imagining like a little meatball of a man. Eh, no, not, not so much. Okay. Well, in this town, being a celebrity is like being a king. And in the 1990s, there was no New Orleans celebrity who enjoyed being famous and the perks that came with it more than sports reporter Vince Marinello. Well, football, simply put, is a matter of execution. Vince Marinello was very high profile. If you grew up here in New Orleans, you saw Vince reporting on almost all the major sporting events in the city. Archie Manning's a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, so the, lo- the local celebrity aspect of this gets some people into a bind because they get a big ego. You've probably been around this a lot, Eric Zane. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I, w- I would say that uh, pretty much everybody in radio uh, has uh, has that type of uh, trait. But I, I, I got to stop down here. Did you miss the directions when it said uh, radio personality? Oh, thank oh! you. Thank you very much because this clip talks about how he shifted to radio. After oh, good. Vince thank God. Left TV, he got <laughs> into WWL radio in the mornings with the real Robert Mitchell. And he was there every morning and then for years and then Katrina hit. All right. So he was doing radio when Katrina hit and then he transitioned from more than just a sports reporter. He was the leading media personality covering aspects of the recovery from the devastation following the hurricane. On August 31st, 2006, Marinello's estranged wife, Mary Elizabeth, was shot twice in the face in the parking lot of an office tower. Oh, boy. In Metairie, Louisiana. (laughs) Jefferson Parish Sheriff's authorities initially announced their belief that the murder was a result of a botched robbery. Marinello voluntarily met with the sheriff's investigators and denied any connection to the murder of his estranged wife, saying he was in Jackson, Jackson, Mississippi. He had an alibi. We're going to Jackson. On September 7th, he voluntarily turned himself into the sheriff's department he was subsequently arrested and charged with second-degree murder in the killing of his wife, who filed for a contentious divorce after she discovered he was not legally divorced when they wed and, despite being a local celebrity, 
was totally broke. Oh, so he's a polygamist? His crime here is getting pussy? So the, the problem is... Carl, is, is that, that his problem? He was trying to be a big shot, and he wanted everyone to know what a big shot he was. But guess what the problem is with that? Is when you work in radio in the 2000s, you don't get a paycheck that goes along with that to be able to live that type of life. <laughs> Who does he think he is, Brother Wheeze? Exactly. <laughs> he's looking for, for free meals everywhere he goes. Who does he think he is, Brother Wheeze? This is the actual 911 call. He was convicted of the murder of his wife and he denied that to the day he died. This is him speaking with a television station there explaining that they botched the court case. His attorneys messed up. They were supposed to find me innocent. <laughs> You're right. Yes. They didn't have like an image expert talking about the images that they were looking at. If I had that image expert to testify for me on my behalf that that wasn't me in the parking lot, if I had the ballistics test made that Paul Fleming messed up, and if I had the test run from the scene to Fluker showing it's impossible to get there from 410 to 516, I'd have walked out to court a free man and we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. Vince Marinello maintains he is innocent despite a jury finding the circumstantial evidence against him overwhelming. So this is interesting. Circumstantial evidence. He claims he's innocent. He claims he has an alibi. He blames his attorneys. Marinello blames his lawyers for not punching holes in the prosecution's case in three major areas. For example, these pictures are in the parking lot on Metairie Road and Marinello in the lobby of the DA's office were used by prosecutors to convince the jury they were the same man. Vince Marinello. Prosecutors used the pictures, but no expert to testify they were the same man. That was all the more reason why we should have had an image expert. Somebody to get up there and say, there's no doubt in my mind that that's not Vince Marinello. Yeah. Or at worst, at worst, say, well, I can't say it is, but I can't say it isn't. I mean, either way, I'm going to come out a winner with the jury. They should have gotten an expert to just tell his side of the story. I don't know why they didn't do that. If if I wasn't broke as shit and speaking <laughs> with this humdrum style, I could have afforded all of this shit to prove my innocence. Right. So wait, this guy's doing like a fucking foghorn leghorn. <laughs> he's, very, he's very bitter about it. I imagine this. he's dressed like Matlock. Yes. His yeah, white suit. Right. <laughs> they didn't even have a ballistics expert. To help prove that he was innocent. Second is the gunpowder residue found in Marinello's car. Prosecutors use it to effectively paint a picture of Marinello as the gunman. But Marinello says the gunpowder was not from the 38 used to murder his wife, but from test firing a 9mm pistol he had bought for self-protection. And they had a ballistics expert to say that, hey, the gunpowder in his car was a result of Vince test firing his 9mm in the back of the trailer and getting in his car. It would have given the jury an alternative reason to believe, well, the gunpowder in the car comes from him test firing his 9mm. Without that ballistics test, you know, the, <laughs> the implication was, well, he shot his wife and that's where the gunpowder came from. Carl, you've convinced me. Innocent. Uh, right. Innocent. Test firing is 9 Innocent. millimeter. All right, Eric, are you ready to They didn't, they didn't yeah. bring in well, a ballistics expert. Everything this guy said is very plausible to me. Um, I, uh, yeah, I, Carl, you have done a great job telling us exactly how this guy did not do this. Yeah, he's not a creep at all. In fact, he's got an ironclad alibi. What's his uh, name again? 
His name is uh, Vince Marinello. Okay, good. I'm going to write a letter to the DA right now. I'm starting it while you're talking. Okay. All right, listen to his alibi. Liz Marinello was killed about 4.10 p.m. on a busy holiday weekend. 66 minutes later, prosecutors say a cell phone tower detected Vince Marinello's phone at Fluker, Louisiana, 80 miles away from the scene of the crime. Marinello claims that proves he is innocent. I tell people that it is impossible to be at the scene of the crime at 4.10 and be in Fluker, Louisiana at 5.16. That's what I tell them. According to Marinello, he left his Lakeview home at 3.30 and drove the speed limit to Fluker. That would have placed him there about 5.16. Right. So he's saying it's 80 miles away uh, an hour and six minutes later where he was pinged. So there's no way that he could have been at the crime scene. And then he takes the reason why he gave this uh, interview is because he wanted to prove his innocence. And he makes these people drive that route, the speed limit, to see if they can get there in the amount of time that he says he got there. As a condition of doing this interview, he asked we drive from Metairie Road to Fluker, leaving at 4.10 and driving the speed limit. All right, the clock says 4.10, so we're going to head out. Our route took us down Metairie Road in heavy traffic to Airline Highway, then to I-10 via the airport, and on to Interstate 55. The entire route, we drove the speed limit. Can it be done in 66 minutes? All right, we're approaching the Fluker exit here in Tangipahoe Parish. It's uh, 5.55, and it took us an hour and 45 minutes to get from 401 Metairie Road to the Fluker exit here in Tangipahoe Parish. I think they could have done that without actually yeah. driving it. Yeah, why did they do that? I mean, <laughs> I mean the I simple know. math, simple yes. math could yeah. have told you that. This is a formula. Yeah, I get it. Well, yeah. It was the condition. <laughs> It was a condition of getting him to talk to them. To right. Speak. So that he thinks that proves his innocence. Right. But the question is, how do we know you drove the speed limit? Because he's going, right. I drove the speed limit. And so that proves I couldn't have been at the crime scene. So now he offers proof that he drove the speed limit. Driving the speed limit, it is impossible to get the fluker in 66 minutes. But who besides Marinello can say he drove the speed limit? Absolutely, absolutely. First of all, as I told you, in the state of Louisiana, I had two outstanding traffic warrants out for me because of failure to pay speeding tickets. I hadn't quite taken care of them yet. One was in Jefferson Parish, one was in East Baton Rouge Parish. So whenever I was driving in the state of Louisiana, I always drove either the speed limit or a mile under it so as not to attract any traffic yeah. cops problems there's proof he's gotten so many speeding tickets he has to drive the speed <laughs> yeah limit. why would an experienced speeder be speeded <laughs> right so I, I think that kind of makes it seem like yeah i mean I, I gotta believe this guy he loves speeding but he would never do that in these counties especially after murdering his wife there's no way he would want to do that uh so let's figure out guys because from everything that i'm hearing i don't know why the jury found him guilty of this mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right they don't have any proof in 2008, he was convicted and sentenced to life in prison for killing his estranged wife, Liz, in an old Metairie parking lot. The prosecutor said he wore disguise and waited for her as she left a therapy session. They used cell phone records to show he drove to Mississippi after that murder and said he left a checklist he made before the killing. Marinello has always maintained his innocence. Oh, okay. So this he, is the problem with the uh, defense here. He, he left a checklist? Surveillance video around the scene of the crime recorded a figure matching the description of a suspicious person seen leaving the scene on a bicycle. 
The surveillance video showed a 15-minute sequence of images of a man fitting the description of the disguised Marinello pacing back and forth in the parking lot. The suspicious person was described as a scruffy-looking white male with a beard and dark complexion and was reportedly seen loading a bicycle into a white Taurus, matching the description of a vehicle seen leaving the crime scene. The white Taurus was later found outside of Marinello's residence. The key piece of evidence leading to charges was a sheet of paper with notes and a diagram found in Marinello's FEMA trailer during the execution of a search warrant several days after the crime. This was characterized as a to-do list for the murder and its aftermath and contained written notes about a gun and its disposal, a bike, and a disguise. Oh, it was determined no. that Marinello recently purchased it a disguise. It was for a murder surprise party, <laughs> officers. For- <laughs> then they found that he purchased the disguise, had purchased bullets for a 38 caliber gun, and the nylon-coated bullets purchased by Marinello were unusual and were the same kind as found inside Liz's uh, body. You think okay, you can well, get away go. with that without so, having legal, legal ramifications? You're out of your <laughs> fucking mind. So the guy wrote down everything that he was going to do and then left it in his trailer only to be found when they uh, executed the search warrant. Now, the kicker is this report where he went on afterwards to prove that he was innocent. He's this like, is so dumb. He's like, you can't drive. You can't drive that far. There's no way. And then they go, yeah, but hold on a second. Weren't, weren't you found in Mississippi? Because his alibi was going to be he's watching football with friends in Mississippi. And they're like, yeah, weren't you in Mississippi like just right after that? And he says this. But if Marinello was in Fluker at 516, how does he explain getting to Byram, Mississippi, 99 miles away, by 615? Once I crossed the state line into Mississippi, yeah, I opened that baby up 90, 95 miles an hour. So now they know that he was in Mississippi yeah. an hour later, 99 miles away. He's like, well, yeah, I was driving like a maniac after that, of course. Yeah, oh my I God. put in a Tom Petty's running down a dream, and I put the pedal to the metal. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, you're damn right. I hit the guy. That's what you do on the open road. So Vince Marinello is a, a dummy, which is not a shocker because he was a media personality. And uh, I believe that he was a creep who murdered his uh, wife. Okay. That's, that's okay. my presentation for today. Okay. Now, how many 10 uh, year old boys did he deal in a hotel? Well, I mean, this guy was actually convicted of a crime where there was a, uh, a victim I didn't mention that they had to actually rip out his tombstone because people were defacing it and it was becoming a problem at the cemetery. Well, those people are creeps then. And I also forgot to mention that Steve Coogan will be playing him in the biopic coming out soon. We'll look there's forward a, to that. A, okay, okay, a film. It ought to be great. Sounds like a lawsuit. Yeah, does his family get any say in the direction of this film? How is this going to work? It's going to be a wonderful remembering. <laughs> okay. All right, with that, Eric Zane... Take it away, my friend. <laughs> okay, gentlemen. Um, the first instance of um, of creepiness uh, comes at about a time. 2011, I remember getting, uh, like I said, these are personal stories, getting word that the show that I was on, it was on a syndicated radio show at the time called the Free Beer and Hot Wing Show. And, you know, we were always trying to get on news stations. And then um, from time to time, that would, that would pay off. And uh, we got word that the show was going to be heard on a station out of Youngstown, Ohio, called Y103. And we looked it up. We see a little bit of background. We see, oh, wow, this is a, this looks like it's a pretty good thing. It's uh, where anytime we can get a new radio station, we're always stoked about that. Okay. So then a little bit of news comes out and says, hey, and uh, you're going to be replacing 
uh, a guy who is uh, is in some big trouble. And what had happened was this is the story of longtime uh, Y103 morning guy Scott Kennedy. We don't know what the hell's going on, but uh, what had happened was one particular day prior to us being told we were going to be put on Y103, Scott walked into his uh, boss's office, a guy by the name of Rick Parrish. And Rick says, hey, Scott, how are you? And he goes, "Uh, yeah, I'm going to need some time off. And this is a true story because this is exactly how it was told to me. Everything uh, that you're hearing is a firsthand account. Okay. Okay. And Scott sits this down. Be, and this says, will be a second-hand account. This is the second was account. told yes, to correct. me. A first-hand account. <laughs> Thank you. I'm not the creep. Second-hand <laughs> okay. account. Okay. Sits down. He says, yeah, boss, I need some time off. And he goes, okay, well, no problem. You've got it banked up. Uh, what, what, uh, what's going on? You're just taking a vacation? And he says, well, uh, I'm going to be leaving, but it's not a vacation. You see, I'm going to be arrested. It was a federal, a federal indictment is coming down on me, and I was informed of it, and I have to turn myself in. Turns out that there was uh, a sting operation trying to catch people who had uh, a child pornography were involved in this big child pornography Ooh, ring. My. They were sending and, it through messages and bottles. And uh, it's a sting uh, joke. Yeah, come on, that's a, <laughs> come on. <laughs> he had uh, he was involved in this, and um, he so they pulled him off of the air, and sure enough, it, an entire investigation, and he ends up pleading guilty to this. Which was probably the best thing he had done. They've ended up finding like 300 plus images on his uh, on his device, including um, there was a, this. There was actually a local angle to it where there, there was actually local people being um, uh, horrible things uh, uh, taking place and, and videos and things like that happening that he had access to. And this one person in particular who was involved in this actually sued him for millions of dollars uh, for the exploitation. Who sues it, a radio guy for millions of yeah, dollars? Yeah, I know. Come on. Well, come on. <laughs> it turns out that the person who was suing the young person and her family ended up only getting like $3,500, which is kind of gross. Yeah. But um, he was sentenced to 51 months uh, in prison. He's, he's long since out. But uh, what was also interesting is when we started wait, wait. on the radio there. I have a question for you. I'm sorry to yeah. interrupt your flow. There. No, it's all right. Uh, had he accrued 51 months in vacation time? Did that work out? For the I station? don't think so. I don't okay. think so. Okay, bummer. Here's, here's the thing: we uh, when we started, women get maternity leave station, and shit. This yeah. poor guy can't get. I would have had an argument or two. Seriously, uh, it's a double standard. You don't get penal leave. <laughs> Scott uh, Kennedy, he had a uh, large group of people who loved him very much, including the people that worked for him. And here's how I know that: um, when we started on there, we did a road trip from Michigan to Youngstown to kind of like, you know, meet the staff. Hello. And it, it wasn't long before we got an idea that they were not thrilled with us being on the radio station. Now, I don't know if this was a little bit of, uh, you know, a lot of times when you replace somebody who's been around for a long time, you don't want to be the person to replace who replaces the, the guy. You want to be the, the, the second person. Unless it's Kimberly one. and Beck, then you're fine. Yeah. And you're welcomed as a hero. What, what Eric Zane is saying is you don't want to be David Lee Roth. You want to be Opie and Anthony. Yes. You need Fair that enough. buffer in between. Yeah. Thank you. What I was struggling to say, that is exactly what uh, what the case <laughs> yeah. was. And and this was never more evident uh, than in this case right here because everybody seemed to be really cold towards us as we as we you know entered the radio station. And in their defense, weird. they probably listened to your show a couple times. That's true. Maybe that had something to do with it. <laughs> but then the one thing that uh, led me to believe that this was absolutely they love this guy is 
when they're talking about the incident, the actual words, instead of like, I mean, if I, if I raped a kid, you would say, yeah, Eric Zane, he raped a kid. Okay. That's what happened. <laughs> Could you they were, isolate that? Just, oh, I got it. Don't worry. <laughs> That's going on. Fuck, the board. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Eric Zane raped, shit. <laughs> when we're sitting there having a conversation with these people, occasionally would come up and this one salesperson in particular, she goes, yeah, ever since, uh, uh, what happened to Scott? Oh, weird. And we're like, well, wait a minute. Now, nothing happened to Scott. Uh, Scott uh, uh, fucking downloaded child porno onto his computer and got busted for it. Nothing happened From a fed. to yeah. Scott. Right. Yes. So that gave you an idea of how that all turned out. So he ended up getting 51 months behind bars for that. That is my one of two personal experiences uh, with someone very, very creepy in radio. But he must have been a great guy if people were defending him who worked with them for doing something that terrible because I would disavow. Double life, double life. You yeah. would think they'd be like, oh, thank God we got rid of that guy. But he obviously, uh, I mean, you hear about a lot of radio people who do crazy shit and then they wind up back on the radio. Who was the, there was the guy at, uh, in New York, the uh, uh, Carton, the uh, fucking degenerate gambler involved in all sorts of shit. As soon as he gets out of jail, he's back on the radio. So this happens from time to time. Sure. As long as you can get people to listen to you, they don't give a shit. Right. I don't think he had that, but. That might have been an example. I have a different theory about radio in general is that they just don't give a shit about <laughs> anything. It's possible. Because <laughs> I've heard the product. See, I have a very different approach to coworkers. I assume that Vinny is up to no good. And so as soon as this information comes out, I'm going to be like, see, that's why I was always such a dick to him. Because I knew yeah. he was a problem. The show was sure. called The Creep Off. It was right. advertised. Yes. Yeah. I was trying to get the story out there for everyone to focus the... Uh, microscope on him hey hey funny guy i just mailed the fbi one of your zoom players oh! <laughs> so i'll never let you borrow one of those again <laughs> all right okay all right. now the other story that i have guys i kind of um i i have to couch it to some degree and carl is, is somewhat aware of this but i i i need to ex explain that this is so much more intricate in terms of the personal experience that is what happened here in this uh entry into the creep off okay um I had just gotten back onto the radio after leaving the Freeburn Howling show. I got fired, and I was like, okay, I, I can't wait to get back on the radio. It was only two months I was off, and I handpicked a sidekick. And uh, let's just call him Lyle, okay, for the sake of the show. This is Lyle I'm telling you about right now. Yeah, he may or may not be a podcast host. Currently. Correct. Yeah. May, you, huh. Well, you never know. I mean, who doesn't know. podcast? Sure. Everybody podcasts these days. Sure. Carl. Carl. Is this guy a podcaster that I know who he is? Well, I've reviewed him on who are these podcasts, but that's all I could say. Lyle. <laughs> huh. Okay. So now I sit down and I got this plan. We're going to all, oh, we're going to take the radio world by storm. And, and this guy is super, he's not afraid to jump into the conversation. You know, he'll just blurt anything out at a moment's notice, just like Vinny. Uh, uh, you know, interrupt the hell out of you and shit like that. Wait, you thought you were going to take the radio world, world by storm by getting a guy like Vinny as your co-host? That, that was a joke, God damn it! Roll with it. I know, that was my joke, Pat. You know, <laughs> you're not going to make any friends around here taking shots right. at me. I'm the likable one on the show. That's true. <laughs> that says something, yes, that's true. Sir. I finish up my sixth show with Lyle. Okay. And then I get a message. I was still, okay, uh, uh, we're kind of like finishing up the show, and, uh, and, and Lyle steps out, and, and there's not much time left in it. And I, I look at my phone, I've got a, uh, a note from someone on Messenger. And I open it up, and it's some whistleblower. It turns out this is a whistleblower. First, oh, I thought it was a crazy tale. person. 
Yeah, tattletale. This tattletale yeah. is like, yeah, Lyle is a problem. Lyle is, uh, he is a uh, convicted sex offender, blah, 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 and produces like uh, an image um, from kind of like a, 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 a sketchy website, but it, it was definitely him. And it, it was a picture of him and Jimmy Savile together. Oh, Maybe. stop it with this, Jimmy Savile. And it shows the offenses, and I'm very concerned about this, and I'm like, huh. So I go in, the guy's in the other room. I go and I go, hey, dude, can you help me here? What is this? And I show it to the guy. Yeah. Face turns Holy white. Shit. And and he is, he's shocked. And uh, he basically comes clean and he says, well, when I was under the age of 18, I was accused of and I pled guilty to a horrible thing with my next door neighbor, but I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I didn't do anything. I had a bad lawyer. He's giving me, giving me all these blah, 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 blah. I had him drive to New Orleans and they fucking figure it out. And I, and I'm sitting there like, what the fuck just happened? I'm six shows into a brand new show. And I'm thinking, Oh my God, this is all terrible. And so, and then he gives me a few more details and I'm like, well, how come no one knows about this? And he, he makes a case that because he was a minor, they ended up, they didn't expunge it, but they wiped it so that he doesn't show up on a search. But he still has to inform uh, the uh, officials of when he moves and shit like that. He's basically still a sex offender, but right. you can't like hunt him down. And I and there's actually a term for it. It's called adjudicated. It's actually, yeah. I, I, there's a term for it. It's called no fact checking. Carl, I'm I'm way ahead of you because that's the next part of the story. I go. I said to the dude, I go, you stay there. I'll be right back. I do what I'm supposed to do. I immediately go to my general manager and I explain to him all of everything I just explained to you. And he's like, what? And first thing he does is he yells to HR. He goes, get me the application. I'm not kidding you. He screamed it out. Bring me Lyle's application. You get the application because if he said yes, because they ask you, have you been convicted of a felony? Okay. He wrote, <laughs> that's, no. That's the background check. No. Uh, I'm not I'm did not you done. graduate college with all uh, A's? <laughs> yes, of course I so, did. To me, it's like it, it's the same equivalent of why the fuck would they even bother asking you to swear out a Bible? People exactly. are just gonna lie. Well, he did lie, lie, and that was a good thing. But you, it wouldn't have shown up on a background check, and that was the safety valve that that judge put in place for him. It's like it's like having the best of both worlds. Yeah, uh, putting your dick in a child, and <laughs> oh, and, and, and not and not uh, and not having anyone know about it. Anally so he, raping children. The best of both worlds. All right. So, All right. so you've that's heard this what, show before. Okay. So he um, immediately, this was a quick process. He never saw the inside of the radio station ever again. He was, he was asked to resign. He resigned immediately. Now, did and he disclose this to Steve? I, I don't know who Steve is. I don't know who that is. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> no. Uh, I, I don't know if he disclosed that to Steve. I have no idea. That's a great question. I've often wondered that. Has he? I am guessing he's denied everything. That's what I guess. It's interesting that a judge would say, if someone is a danger to society, that a judge would be like, we're just going to cover it up because he was a kid. Yeah, well, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. This is all what he has said that he says he's maintained his. And I said, well, then why did you plead guilty if you didn't? Wait. Uh, oh, no, it was a bad lawyer. That was the excuse. I had a bad lawyer. 
we've had so many people that we've talked about on this show where this almost this exact same thing has happened where they did a whole bunch of real heinous shit before they were like over the age of 18 and it got covered up and they were able to go out into the world and fucking start problems and it always blows my mind that judges have the ability to do this. I think that there should be some type of consequences. Well, like if a judge has a really bad batting average on this. Right, right. That there should be something, there should be some well, type of ramification to the judge. And I've had people say to me, say, you know, you're not doing a very good job of couching who this is. Anybody who knows anything about you knows exactly who that is. And I'm like, yeah. And all they have what? to do is go listen to WATP episode 268. <laughs> oh, jeez. Right, well, here's, here's the thing. If this guy, if he ever said, hey, Eric Zane, I'm serious. Like, well, all right, motherfucker, put your hand on the Bible then. And you're going to have to reveal everything that I've already said. So you're fucked either way. So I don't give a fuck what you do. Right. Well, this has been a fun episode. <laughs> I like that Eric Zane brought two creeps just to out his ex-coworker. Now, listen, Eric, <laughs> I'm going to do something for you I've never done for another guest. And, Carl, I think you're really going to enjoy this idea. What we're going to do is we're going to have the ability to vote for either one of Zane's creeps. Oh, oh you're going to split it. Yes, perfect. Yes, you can vote for either one perfect. of Eric's creeps if you choose to. Uh, thecreepoff.com this week. That's smart, Vinny. And I don't say that very often. You might want to ISO that, too. Oh, I just did. <laughs> I got it. Can I? Well, can I combine my creep points, then? No. Nope. Why not? No. Nope. No. You brought two you brought creeps. brought two creeps. It's on you. We're, we got four creeps this week. Four creeps to That's choose bullshit. from, ladies and That's gentlemen. A, uh, you know what? I'll add it up in my own brain. That's a moral victory. I would end up beating <laughs> the shit out of both you fucking morons. Oh, congrats <laughs> on all your moral victories over there. Uh, don't forget to vote at thecreepoff.com this week for uh, any one of Eric's creeps, and uh, particularly Jimmy Savile and Carl's guy was just stupid he was stupid it was i know <laughs> maintain his innocence until he died uh, at the age of 82 of natural causes uh, just last year february 2020 is when vince marinello finally uh, kicked the bucket he, he died of boredom of constantly explaining himself to everyone yeah that he wasn't a ballistics expert we know you've told us this vince we get it oh uh, every time how could i have been there it's an hour and a half later are you guys ready for some voicemails i am I got a, uh, a message from our good friends, our sponsor, the city of Syracuse. Good. The Creep Off voicemail segment is brought to you by the city of Syracuse. Our upcoming EDM festival is expecting 10,000 visitors. It is said to be the country's largest gathering of that weird guy from work. See you in Syracuse. That's more goofy on EDM than Syracuse. Are we going to have to have a conversation with McBride soon? No, that's fine. All I'll right. go along with that. This one came in uh, from PLB. Hi, Carl. This is Brian Laundry. This is how I talk. <laughs> Thanks again for letting me stay in your basement. I really appreciate it. You're such a good friend. Um, just to let you know, I won't be back till late tonight. I've arranged to meet a Tinder date on the edge of a very precarious cliff. Uh, but save me a white claw for after, okay? Love you. Love Bye. Me too. Love me too, Brian. Mm -hmm. That was nice. Brian gets around. You never know where he's going to be next. All right. You so know what? I'm going to get a phone call from Dog the Bounty Hunter now, and I do not appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> oh, my God, dog. Uh, <laughs> this one is about the possibility of you and I having to do a con tandem consequence mm. if we lose Derek Zane today. Right. Next week, when everybody votes for Eric Zane and you guys both lose, uh, honestly, I don't know why we're discussing any consequence other than you two 69ing. <laughs> I mean, this measure should pass, no problem. Also, Vinny, <laughs> I notice you're so fucking fat that you can't even say the TW sound, like 20. Instead of 20, you say 20, and 12, you say 12. Why is that? Is it? 
genuinely because you're so fat or my my own personal speculation off on that? Please provide some comment. Thank you. <laughs> comment? Really? Oh. Yeah, I got a comment. Go fuck yourself. That's my comment. Oh, yeah. That's you, my comment. You, yeah, but I, can we hear you say those words? <laughs> I don't think he wants to. 20. 12. So, 20. 12. 20. 12. That's how I say fine. it. Sounds fine. Don't what, worry about that What do you think I'm going to be shit. sitting here going, 20? Like, just <laughs> drooling on myself. What the fuck, you people? <laughs> All right. More people discussing consequence possibilities. Yeah, I was thinking about the 69 consequence that you're going to have to do next week. And <laughs> I realize you probably Jesus don't want to stick Christ. with the team who's spinning the wheel. So, you know, you could have some things on there like, uh, you know, one spot could be Carl licks the butthole. <laughs> one spot could be Vinny licks the butthole. Or also thought. Like, you know, Eric Zane's going to win for sure. And But if no. Vinny gets more votes, maybe he's on top. And if Carl gets more votes, maybe he's on top. <laughs> um, a lot of options here. I don't think it's just a one and done, you know, do it, video it, and everybody likes it. it you know, you can have a little bit of fun with it. That do- Nothing about that sounds fun. The only 69 Vinny's ever been a part of is Beef with Broccoli from Chen Garden. <laughs> oh, That's no. a number eight, you idiot. Now, folks... Carl and I will not be 69 if we lose to Eric Zane. <laughs> this is correct. Sorry to ruin it for you. Uh, it ain't going to happen. But I do th- like part of that idea there. If we have to do. <laughs> okay, go- which part? Was it the butthole licking part? Which part of that? No, I think <laughs> the part about you licking my butthole. But yeah. no, what I like is the idea that if we put different spots on the wheel where there's just a consequence that specifically goes to one of us. It's like one of us gets a ticket out if some of the other one lands on it. Okay. So that means there's a chance that one of us might not have to do something horrific. We don't even have to talk about it because I have a feeling I'm going to win this week. Oh, good. So it'll be fine. Uh, I, bullshit. Everybody forgot both of yours. I got a voicemail here. Hey, Carl, this is with a creep off. I'm wondering how long do I have to be a patron to you guys for me to get a pair of Vinny's underwear? Preferably with skid marks and possibly blood. I want to mount that on my wall. All right. Bye. Love you, Vinny. Winnie Dickie. Yeah. Do you send out used underwear to listeners? I can't remember. Only if they specifically say, please don't. That's what I said, though. All right. Uh, I got one more here. I don't know if I'm insulted by this or not. Hey, uh, Vinny Winnie People's Tramp. I just... uh just want to say, you, you, know, you kind of look like if Drew Carey ate James Corden, which I don't know how to feel about that. Um, also, I just want to say, Carl, the Bills are gay and the Beatles are still gay. All right, bye. Possibly pedophiles. I used to hang out with Jimmy Savile. When we were oh. sitting outside during a downpour in Chicago, the south side of Chicago, and we found a little area with an umbrella, and it was me and Dick Masterson, my wife, and Vinny, and a guy comes underneath for shelter, and he goes, hey, he thought you were James Corden. Yeah, he oh. leaned down and he goes, hey. He goes, hey, are you that, are you that famous comedian? And Dick goes, uh, sir, what did you say? The famous comedian? He goes, no, it's not. And I oh. looked at him and I said, sir, I'd really appreciate it if you just keep it low key, if that's all right. And he goes, turns around and he's like, okay. I and said, he wow. went away. I, lo- I love that Dick put you at your place immediately. Yeah, yeah Dick, Dick and I were texting yesterday. Made me laugh quite a uh, bit. Keep an eye out to the Patreon. There might be a fun new bonus episode this week that Carl's not included on because he's mean. That I should be included. That's the whole point of me. All right, I got one more voicemail here. Hey, Carl, it's your old pal, Dr. Steve. I'm leaving this on the WATP hotline, but this is for the creep off. Dude, you may not want to play this. I know your last name. If you and I had been in kindergarten together, knowing your last name, you would have been Carl Hamburger. 
the first day. So I, there's no way that this was invented once you got on radio. You, I, I have to believe you've been called this your whole life. Anyway, uh, have a great day. And uh, listen to Weird Medicine. Doctor Steve, I could explain this for Carl. You're talking all over his plug. I know, I did it on purpose because he called it here to call me a liar. (laughs) But here's the deal, Doctor Steve. The reason why this happened is because of Carl's club feet. He was homeschooled until (laughs) he was old enough to be able to walk for himself, and his sister didn't have to carry him everywhere to boost. (laughs) That's why. All right, fair enough. Um, yeah, I guess I guess the point that he's trying to make is that no one should be trying to take credit for naming me Carl Hamburger. It's not that impressive. You could listen to Weird Medicine on Sirius XM or wherever podcasts are sold. Channel 103. Okay. All right. That was the last. Oh, I got one more voicemail. Oh, you do? Okay. All right. All right. So I don't like the guy that's uh, coming at you, Vinny, who's talking about Carl's handsome as a I'm one quarter Italian, so I'm not as Italian as you, but I know I'm fat just like you, Vinny. I'm fat. I, I maybe, you may be like three of me, but, you know, still, I, I would like to come at you and say, you know, I, I think the wheel of consequences should be Vinny gets a pizza. Yeah. Vinny gets uh, some wings. Yeah. Vinny gets to uh, watch TV all night. Yeah. I think that should be on your handsome, sexy Sicilian Italiano wheel of consequences. And Carl should be like... uh uh, I don't know. You get to stick a fish hook in his mouth or something like that. He, he looks like a fucking uh, uh, weird guy. Uh, I don't like him. I don't like his club Ooh. feet. Uh, you should, you should like you guys. You, did you bind him? Fucking Asian guy. Whatever. I'm done. Okay. Bye. That ended not strong. Wow. But I do like his yeah. ideas. I like how he. I like he. Uh, he really went hard with. He looks like a weird guy. <laughs> I like that he goes. Hey, look at me. I'm a quarter Italian over here. This is how it's quarter Italian people talk. Like, oh. He Can only you imagine like if he was... F- Sorry. If he was full Italian? <laughs> no. Holy shit. You wouldn't understand a word. It'd be a fucking talking pizza. <laughs> uh, By the way, Pizza the Hut. I don't know if people know this, but Vinny almost got that in the audition. They're like, good. We don't want to do makeup. Actually, this guy I, might be right for this part. I was going to sue them because it was a little too close to my character. <laughs> Vinny Pizza Pilino. And I just Pizza don't. Pilino. I just don't. I think they were approaching uh, my trademarks. All right. That's enough Spaceballs references, I guess, for one day. All uh, right, kids. Let's do a scum parade. Carl, hit the music. Watch out for the scum parade. Fuck yeah. <laughs> now, Maine. A woman was so desperate to spend time with her boyfriend that she made bomb threats at his workplace so he could get the day off. Interesting. The relationship sounds explosive. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Kayla Blake, 33, was arrested on a felony terrorizing charge after police tracked down the caller and learned she never had any bombs. They're like, you called it a bomb that you didn't even have any bombs. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's the good news, I would think. Yeah. Like, they, they seemed upset that she didn't have a right. bomb, the way they phrased right. this in the article. That's the good news. She, she didn't, didn't really have a, have a bomb. Because she didn't have a bomb or nothing. She wasn't planning on killing any of the 400 people who work at that plant. 
What's her problem? The women's bizarre attempt to get her boyfriend out of work happened Thursday in the city of Pittsfield. The suspect is accused of calling state police two separate times that day, claiming she was going to bomb Puritan Medical Products, the medical manufactory where her boyfriend works. The threats forced the company to evacuate the facility and shut down operations for the day, a move that affected, like you said, Carl, 400 people. This woman sucks, all right? The conversation that morning, I know exactly what it was. Hun, can you call in sick? Why don't you call us? Let's spend the day together. And he's like, listen, I just, I got to go to work, okay? Yes, I do have sick time, but I need to go to work. This is what I do. No, call in sick. Stay with me. And also, the bomb threat thing, very short-term solution for this. If you want to spend more time with your boyfriend. I, chop an arm off. That's going to be a few months right there. Give him COVID. Get creative. Do something that's going to get him out of work for longer than one day. Name the motherfucker if you want him yes, around more. Right. Cobble him like Kathy Bates did in Misery. I'm guessing that this woman's never had a boyfriend before just because I saw the photo of her in this story. She doesn't really know how to act she, around that. <laughs> this, this woman, I, I, I hate using this expression, but in this particular case, it's accurate. The, this lady looks like me. <laughs> Oh. This lady looks like me. She's an ugly version of Vinny. Yeah. It's pretty bad. That's the nicest thing you've ever said to I me. Know. For there to be an ugly version of me yeah. makes me pretty all right. It's pretty bad. She's being held on $1,500 bail. This is a really silly thing. When I was in high school, I don't know if I ever told you this. There was a dude, like the week of final exams, I believe it was six or seven school days in a row called in a bomb threat successfully. Okay. So every, like, I think it was right before six period, every day we all had to go stand out in the parking lot. The police were pissed off. The fire department was pissed oh, off. Oh, the dogs don't like it because <laughs> there's no action in there. Yeah, and then right. everybody, because it was happening every day, they made us stay late yeah. because of this kid. So by the time they did catch him, everyone was, like, super pissed off at him. And his whole thing was he wanted to be the hero, just like this lady. But you're not the hero when you call in a bomb threat, kids. Uh, we had t- tons of bomb threats in my school, too, because those idiots would be like, oh, there's a bomb threat. We have to give everyone the whole day off. So that's how it started. Like, if there's a bomb threat, everyone goes home for the day. Very bad decision because then they wise up. They're like, oh, no, actually what we'll do is we'll sniff out the gymnasium first. And if that's clear, every asshole has to go to the gymnasium until we sniff out the rest of the place. And then it turned into like what you said, Vinny. Everyone just had to stay later and the day just went as long as possible. Now, these motherfuckers, they got medical supplies that they got on. uh, They have to pump out for the shipments. This just fucks everybody's life up. Because this bitch needs somebody to cuddle with. Yeah, she's the worst. Yeah, here's a bomb threat for you. I'll be opening for Harlan Williams. Hey! (laughs) (laughs) Comedy of the Carlson. (laughs) There's your bomb threat. It's not just a threat, people. It's a promise. It's a promise. This story came in from our pal Herb Beta Patched, our resident in Syracuse. Yes. Syracuse, New York. Attorney General Letitia James, New York's Attorney General, is suing one of Syracuse's most notorious landlords, John Kiggins, over lead paint violations that she said have resulted in the poisoning of at least 18 children living on his property. I would think that eating lead paint is probably better for you than breathing the air in Syracuse. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Have you been to Syracuse, Eric? It's gross yeah. there. No, no, I'll take your word for <laughs> it's it. It's pretty bad. The, the kids' moms are like, listen, I know it smells. Just lick the radiator. You feel better. <laughs> yeah. The children were poisoned over six years while residing in 17 of an estimated 89 properties owned by this guy. James alleged in the lawsuit filed Thursday that uh, chipping, peeling, deteriorating paint, other conditions conducive to lead poisoning uh, were all over these properties, and uh, they're suing him. I don't understand why there's not like a criminal charge for this. Like, Isn't, isn't this negligence? Charge? Yeah, I thought there was a criminal charge as well. 
He's being sued. That's all I'm seeing here. Oh, he's being and that's right. It said in the article he's being sued for his profits. He's a slumlord in Syracuse. That's not a profitable business. Are the police that fucking shitty that's, that they they can't even arrest him in Syracuse? It was like Meh. that's not a profitable business model. Being a slumlord in Syracuse. If we wanted to get some money out of people, we could sue Moderna for all the profits of the vaccine that doesn't work. Oh, oh, you guys are with me on this. There it is. There it is. <laughs> you guys are with me on this square, one. Square peg, round hole. <laughs> I miss you've made of things again. Now, the exposure to lead paint is undoubtedly dangerous. This company took advantage of low-income families of color, failed to provide them protections required by law. What protections? Are they supposed to give them a fucking gas mask before they go into the guy's <laughs> properties? Yeah. Like, is that supposed to be what you get a gas mask for you and all of your children when you sign no. the lease? No, but you expect to go in a home that isn't full of uh, lead, for God's sake, or at least have some type of abatement. I disagree. If I was walking into a home in Syracuse, I would just expect it. <laughs> you'd, ex you'd expect something lethal to be yeah. laying around in that home. Yep. We'll find out what happens there. Now, let's go to Pasco, Washington. Hold on a second. You skipped a really interesting part of the story. All right. Tell me what I did. Uh -huh. All right. So 722 Pond Street was one of the houses that this guy owns. Yes. There was a 13-year-old girl who died in the fire because they were using candles in order to heat the place. They were attempt they, there was no heat in the in the house. I'm sorry everybody for uh for not blaming the victim the way Carl's about to. Listen, you can't use candles to heat a house. I've never been to a birthday party and gotten sweaty. Candles <laughs> do not heat things. Also, every birthday party I've ever been to, I've been sweaty, you asshole. <laughs> yeah, you. <laughs> also, I I did a little uh Googling. Street view of 722 Pond Street in yeah. downtown Syracuse. Everything's boarded up. There's garbage everywhere. If I was this guy, I'd be like, living in Syracuse is a health risk. What yeah. do you want from me? Maybe Stuttering John lives there. <laughs> yeah, it looked like it looked like somewhere the Stuttering John would claim to own. Uh, my numerous properties in Syracuse, New York. <laughs> I'm a slumlord. Uh, uh. He wasn't he the the manager of the super at the the dump that he lives in? He was, yeah, for some extra money. And then he was getting phone calls too often for people who wanted things fixed. He's like, "It's after four o'clock. I'm already drunk." <laughs> You're gonna have to call me around noon tomorrow when I wake up. Uh, Pashko, Washington. Yes. Police say they don't know why a knife wielding man boarded a school bus full of children, and stabbed the 72-year-old bus driver to death. The family members of 72-year-old bus driver Richard Lenhart watched with heavy hearts as his alleged killer, Joshua Davis, appeared in court for the first time last Monday afternoon. They set his, his bail at $1 million, but nobody has any idea what the motive here was. Police say that Lenhart had just picked up the 35 students Friday at Longfellow Elementary School when Davis forced his way onto the bus, then stabbed Lenhart several times. The driver left his foot on the brake during the attack, and the bus crashed into a school parking lot. Ooh. The psycho on the bus goes stab, stab, stab. Oh, stab, 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 stab. Oh, shit. <laughs> the kids on the bus all scream, scream, scream. <laughs> Uh, all the way into the feds. The driver of the bus just bleeds and bleeds, bleeds and bleeds, bleeds and bleeds. Fuck. That's a fun uh, day for these kids. Wow. They uh, don't know why he stabbed the bus driver. I don't know why he came back to the scene of the crime. Yes. They picked him up because he came right back afterwards. I, uh, I forgot my knife. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, hey, are you going to use that? I could use that, please. This is such a cliche. The criminal's coming back to the scene of the crime. And they're all like, what happened? <laughs> so What's all the stupid. commotion over here, officer? <laughs> A video recovered from a home just feet away feet away from the scene showed Davis parked a truck along the road before making his way to the bus. Witnesses said he left the area for a short time and then returned to the school where he was arrested. Police still are trying to piece behind the motive, uh, piece together the motive behind the attack. There's no information to make investigators believe the men knew each other prior to the stabbing. I bet he's a crazy person. Mm. Would be my guess. Yeah. That would be my guess. Hey, speaking of crazy people, you ready for our last stop in the scum parade, everybody? Yes. Where are we going to? Uh, Texas. I want to point something out, Vinny. This is the second creep off in a row. I believe this is a record. We have not had a single story out of Florida. Two in a row. What's going on with Florida, guys? Well, you Come know, on. Pick up the pace. I'm not as religious as our next creep, but uh, I'm going to tell you what my crazy Christian aunt would say. Yeah. It's the end times. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think you're right. A religious man from Euless, Texas, who was often seen reading the Bible, was arrested on Monday night in connection with the deaths of three people whose dismembered bodies were found in a burning dumpster. The Washington Post reported Jason Allen Thornburg, 41, who was also known to talk to God and express the desire to help people, has been charged in the killings of three people, a 42-year-old man and two unnamed women, and allegedly attempted past murders of two others. Uh, according to an affidavit seen by the Washington Post, Thornburg invited David Lourez into his motel room at the Mid-City Inn on September 17th. Thornburg told investigators that he believed Lourez should be, quote, sacrificed. First off, and I don't want to victim blame like sometimes I do, but who's going into a motel room with a very religious man? Yeah. I'd rather rent an apartment from John Kiggins and lick the wall. Yeah, I'd rather light some <laughs> candles to heat my house. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking dickhead. Someone with a Bible would invite you into a motel room? Pass. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> if you learn anything from any episode of yes, this show, right. if someone has a Bible and they want to talk to you, go the other way. Yes, correct. All right. So he invites him into the hotel room. He decides this guy, David, needs to be sacrificed. So what he did is he just slit his throat, dismembered his body, and placed his remains in plastic storage bins. Okay. Is he okay? <laughs> That's the name of this episode. Thank you, Eric. Is he okay? He's not. He's not Thank well. you. Episode 82. Is he okay? Not Thank well. you. No, he's not. <laughs> About two days later, court documents say Thorberg decided that a female acquaintance visiting the motel room also needed to be sacrificed. The affidavit says that once again, Thornburg cut his victim's throat, dismembered her body, and another two days passed before Thornburg set out to kill a new victim, the affidavit said. He strangled a female visitor after trying to stab her initially and also dismembered her body. See, this oh. is why I never got into religion. It's just too much work. It's stand up, sit down, kneel, If this is what church was, I might have paid attention. <laughs> I might have paid attention in Sunday school. It's too much. He then transported the remains to a dumpster on the outskirts of Fort Worth and set them on fire. Yeah. Lewis was identified by his tattoos, and the two other victims have been identified but not publicly named. During a police interview, according to the affidavit, Thornburg allegedly confessed to the killings and referred to them as sacrifices. He also confessed to killing an ex-girlfriend in Arizona and sacrificing his last roommate in May. Ow. Wow. That yeah. is uh, involved. I hope God's Holy happy. Shit. That's the uh, point, right? Making God happy? Yeah, you know. 
I'm glad we're keeping God happy. I'd really like to fucking see what the world was like if he was pissed. Right. Right. <laughs> God forbid he's in a bad mood. That wouldn't happen to hey, Afghanistan. Man, it almost feels like he's not paying attention. <laughs> mm, I don't know. I don't know. He is being held in jail. They are investigating the death of the 61-year-old roommate, but they didn't have probable charges to arrest him on that. He is definitely in prison, and that is our scum parade this week. All right. Wow. Uh, you can listen to the Eric Zane podcast. Wherever you get podcasts. Wherever you get your podcast. Now, you do a multiple shows every week and apparently every day, huh? Oh, my God. It's uh, ridiculous, the amount of time. But, yes, uh, every day, Monday through <laughs> You Friday. look like you love it, though. <laughs> oh, He's so like, much fun. too much. <laughs> oh, God. Too much. No, yeah, every day, uh, Eric Zane Show uh, on, is the website. You can find it wherever you download podcasts. Yeah, the usual shit. And uh, I'm, I did another pilot for, the, uh, for Compound Media. It's yes. going to be posted very soon. I was going to say, Eric Zane did a pilot for Compound Media, Anthony Cumia's network. And he did an hour-long video show that I checked out. Very ah. fun. Very entertaining. Well, congratulations, Eric. Eric, Thank Zane, you. I, Eric Zane's a limo driver on the weekends. Yeah, I am and, a limo driver on the weekends. And the reason why he does that video is just to get material for his show. That's <laughs> there's, there's, always, there's always something. There's always something. And this all has been going on for one year, and I owe it all to Carl. Carl, Carl, Carl. Carl was the key to me getting uh, uh, all these opportunities. So thank you. Well, I'm writing this down for when we do Creepiest Limo Driver. <laughs> you say that, Eric, Eric Zane, Zane, but this is not true. You found us. You reached out. And uh, uh, you, you've earned everything that you've uh, achieved, my friend. And I wish you nothing but more success, and I hope that it sticks with Compound. Yeah. Because Fair that, enough. That, there you go, really ladies cool. and gentlemen. That's the only 69 you're going to see. <laughs> oh, Those two oh, yes. right there. Oh, yeah. I tasted his asshole. That's gross. <laughs> well, on that note, ladies and gentlemen, it is nice to be important. Thank you, Vinny. It's you're welcome. more important to be nice. Gagia. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, guys.